Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Devontez Smith-Rivera, former guard for Georgetown, subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. So we got a pretty good show, packed show ahead later today or later in the program, I should say. Logan Norse, former Dayton basketball player, will be hopping on and we're going to talk to him a little bit about his time at Dayton and talk about his expectations for his alma mater as they head towards March. The Shark not with us today. He's actually got boots on the ground in uh, D.C. He's going to the Providence Georgetown game. We'll see how he how he fares amongst all the other Providence fans in person this time. He's not going to be battling them on Twitter. I asked him nicely to see if he could get us a uh, any any sort of soundbite from from the PC guys. We'll see if he comes up there. But he is at the Georgetown Providence game tonight. That's actually a, slightly a part of the reason why 
I put in Devontae Smith-Rivera, also just a hysterical name. Uh, one of the better three names that, that we've had in college basketball. But Taylor, we'll welcome you in here. Big weekend ahead. So not only is this the potentially the game of the year, not only is this definitely game in the conference, uh, and it's absolutely the game of the weekend, but it's Baylor-Kansas, right? One versus three. We'll start with those guys. Any predictions? What are you looking for? Who do you think wins this game? Because whoever wins this game has the inside track for the Big 12 title. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just – you know, night before last, Baylor just set the record for the most consecutive Big 12 victories ever, which is wild to think that um, how good this Baylor team is and how consistent they are. It is, they, they've won more games in a row than any Kansas team has since 95-96, and that's just wild considering that Kansas won the conference 15 years in a row. So was that – so real quick, was that yeah. – 23 straight big 12 games or just 23 games in a row? I did. I was too lazy to look, look, that's that up. a great question because I couldn't figure that out either, but they have won 23 games in a row right now. So I'm pretty sure it means any, any streak of any big 12 team, not streak against only big 12 teams. That's funny. You say that. Cause it took me longer than I care to admit to look into that. And I can't even say with, hundred percent certainty that that's the correct answer. Well, I mean, I, I think we just got to use logic and deductive reasoning, right? They're 24 and one. They, I, I'm assuming and, they won their first game of the season. Then, and then lost, they lost to Washington. Washington. Yeah. Right. And look, this is, this is a call to all ESPN writers, editors, be better with your wording, please. It's the worst. Let me, let me do a shameless plug of the Warm Up daily sign up for the Warm Up daily newsletter at warmupdaily.com. I, Made a he- I made a mistake today, and I've been thinking about it all day long about how I made a mistake in the warm up today. And I don't understand how people who work for like ESPN and have like editors and stuff like that make those type of. It's not a mistake. It's just not being thorough, right? Is that the way to put it? Attention to detail, I suppose. Yeah. What, what, I, well, it, you got to tell me what the mistake was. So I'm I'm actually going to blame ESPN. The mistake is that I said I put in my, the what to watch today that the NBA started today Wednesday as we're recording this. But when you pull up the NBA schedule, it auto populates the next NBA games, which is t- Thursday. And so I just didn't even I was just in the zone looking at all oh, the next NBA games are this. Uh, as I texted you earlier today, I've been thrown off all week thinking that. You are you and the boys are coming to town this week, but it's next week. My whole February is just thrown off, considering that like January took seven months and February is now two thirds of the way over. It's just my whole schedule has been jacked up. But um, anyway, back to uh, Baylor and Kansas here. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, I would have um, predicted Kansas to win this game. But there's nothing at this point that's going to indicate to me until they lose, I'm not going to bet against Baylor. So I just throw out all other reasoning. You know, Kansas is bigger. They're maybe more talented. But, you know, we were watching the broadcast um, against Oklahoma, and they brought up a great point. It's one that we've talked about a lot, but it even it, it's just kind of shocking to say out loud, even though we're in mid-February, like we just said, Baylor has eight players who redshirted. 
and the team is just old. They're just a bunch of men playing basketball and they don't get rattled in, in whether it's at home or, or on the road. So I, no matter where this game was being played, I'm still going to pick Baylor just specifically because there's no reason there's, they haven't given me indication to as to why not to pick them. Yeah. Let me unpack some of your thoughts here. First and foremost, my February has been all jacked up in terms of dates and that actually happened today. And I'm actually going to blame the leap year. We have the 29th this February as well. So we have one of those little countdown chalkboard things to our wedding date. And I'm like, I'm OCD about this shit. I have to move the calendar to the correct date. I have to do the countdown. It's part of my morning routine. And so I was in the shower today and we're getting close to 365 days. If you're, if you care to know it's 380, but I was wondering to myself, wait, is it 380 or 381? And then I I forgot to take into account the 29th. That's my little personal what story. If we, what if we showed up early? What if you didn't catch this and we didn't all show up on the right date? That's true. That's a good. Well, it's next year. So well, I know. But I mean, if, the, if it again, was your theory, if, if you don't plant the seed and water it early, the tree is not going to grow correctly. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, what if what if what if you just didn't show up on the right date because of a mistake you made 381 days before your wedding? Yeah, it's it's true. Sort of fucked everything up. It's it's a it's very much an accounting error, and I'm looking forward to the shark after this little side sidebar that we're having because he's not here. He's like, oh, I can't. I'm glad you guys were able to talk about your personal, you know, countdown dates and wedding dates. Like like the theater goers want to hear that. So I'm sure just brace no, yourself for is, that text. Brace yourself what, for that. This text. is what makes us relatable to the people. Okay, we could be all high and mighty because we run in you know, we're on an extremely popular nationally branded podcast, you know, but here, this is what just makes us one of the people, you know, I'm just letting you know, be brace yourself for the condescending shark text. That's inevitably going to come after this airs on Thursday. That being said, uh, you know, what's so crazy about your logic with Baylor and Kansas, and I'm not arguing it at all. It's completely fair, but you said something interesting. You said they haven't shown me anything up to this point. They haven't lost so until they do that, I'm not going to go against the grain, essentially for the sake of going against the grain. That's the same logic that we apply to Kansas or we used to apply to Kansas when it came to preseason predictions and who's going to win the Big 12. Well, Kansas has won for 58 straight years until obviously last year. So why not pick just Kansas? That being said, so I, I just think it's interesting how, you know, you're absolutely right. Baylor has rattled off 23 straight. Why all of a sudden pick against them? Let me tell you why, because I'm going to go Kansas. I'm going to go Devon Dotson. He's going to be fully healthy for the full game. So I was actually talking to a Baylor buddy of mine, and while it is true that Baylor kind of dominated them in the first half when Dotson was healthy, uh, Dotson was out for the entire second half, and that was obviously at Lawrence. I think a fully healthy Dotson and what they've been able to do since that Baylor game, Kansas, that is. I've, I've said that they're the best team in the country, and I think this is the game where they go into Waco and they prove that because of Dotson's play and because of Doak. Uh, I also think that it's fucking difficult to win 24 straight, and you know I, I think at some point it has to break. And if you're a Baylor fan, I kind of think you're – you're not rooting for Baylor to lose, but there's got to be a small part of you that says, well, if Kansas wins, is it the worst thing? Because I don't want to be going into March with a full slate of wins under my belt. I kind of want us to get down to earth just a little bit. And I don't know if I'd necessarily want that loss to come in the big 12 tournament. 
I think now would be a decent time uh, to take that L if I'm a if I'm a Baylor fan. But give me Kansas, and I, I don't see them losing two straight Big Twelve titles. Yeah, I mean that's exactly why to use like shark logic. That's exactly why I was happy that Marcus Howard played badly the other night. Uh, you know, they had to take an L. It's just going to fire them. I didn't even want them to win that game against, uh, against Creighton there, which we'll get to in a second. You know, I didn't even, I was rooting against. Them. I'm glad that Marcus Howard played like shit. Cause that's just going to get them together for the tournament. You know, that's my shark uh, spin on that game. But uh, you know, I, I think I can straight up say uh, with, not even a single ounce of expertise that the reason I didn't want Kansas to win a conference each year is because I just straight up don't like Kansas. And I'm okay with, with understanding that. Um, I think Baylor being at home might have a factor in this probably more so than uh, I would suggest maybe other teams and the fact that they went into Kansas and already beat these guys. That's a big one too. Um, it is funny that, you know, we expect Kansas to win the conference every year. And where did we expect Baylor to finish this year? Do, do, do you remember what our predictions were on that? I don't think that either of us chose Baylor as Big 12 champs. You had mentioned West so. Virginia, which was a great pick. Obviously, they're a top 15 team to watch out for. But definitely not. Baylor's probably going to be, if they beat Kansas, they're probably going to be the number one, the top seed overall. Right. That's actually what I was just about to say is um, this is pretty much a battle for the one seed who wins this game, not only probably wins the uh, conference title, but they're probably all but guaranteed a one seed in the Midwest uh, part of the bracket. If you just look at, uh, you know, the other teams, will they give San Diego state and Gonzaga both a one seed uh, that's debatable, you know, will Duke, get up to the one seed? Will they give Dayton a one seed? Will they give Dayton, uh, Baylor, San Diego State, and Gonzaga one seeds? All non-traditional powerhouse schools. But whoever wins this game, they, they have to. I mean, they have to. There's no other choice but to give whoever wins this game. Barring like a collapse down the stretch, there's no other way that, that this plays out. How shitty would you feel as a Baylor fan if you go – like 17 and one in conference and don't win the conference. <laughs> That's it's just the most Kansas thing that would happen again. I feel like last year was such an outlier, but over the past 12, 13, 14 years, whatever it is that Kansas has ruled this conference with an iron fist, there have been really great teams that just run into a better Kansas. And so it, it would suck obviously, but at the same time, if you're a Baylor fan that's played against Kansas and played in the Big 12, kind of have to come to grips with it. And yeah, it would suck. I, you kind of want that Big 12 title under your belt. But these guys have bigger fish to fry. If you're going 17 and 1 in conference, care about the tournament, not even the Big 12 tournament, even like a first round or second round loss. Although I said they don't want to lose in the Big 12 tournament. If that happened, you're still kind of like, whatever. Maybe you're a little concerned. But at this point in the season, there's a very there's a very few handful of teams that I don't know if their focus is necessarily getting better, but maybe maintaining this level of consistency. And I think off the top of the dome, it's like Dayton, it's it's Kansas, it's maybe Duke can get a little better. I don't know. Baylor for sure, though, because Baylor's been a fucking buzzsaw for the past month. And oh, a half. yeah. So I have 
uh, a complaint, though, and it's a complaint that I have often about the Big Ten and the Big 12. You want to guess what the tip time of this game is? What is it, noon? It's the first game of the day. Kansas-Baylor is the first game of the day? Yep. That's terrible. They, I swear to God, the Big 12 and Big 10 don't have any idea of when to schedule their major games. Like, this should be a 4 p.m., middle of the day, Saturday, you're buzzed heavily type of day. Not like a wake up and scramble to get everything done before the the biggest game of the college basketball year so far, arguably. Yeah. Big complaint. Also, you want to know how uh, I know that you're ubiquitously loved around this country, Supermanian? Talk to me. Uh, yes. You just said, I have Baylor buddies. Who the fuck is Baylor buddies? Like <laughs> Corey Boney, shout out. He's a Waco like lifer, man. Yeah, this, you see, guy... this, is why, this is why this is why you're like the social, like ubiquitous king here, is because oh yeah, you know, I got Waco lifers that I just uh, I, I just hang out with, you know. Yeah. So Corey Boney, listener of the show, shout out to him. He's from Waco, grew up in Waco, went to Baylor, huge Baylor fan, like season ticket holder, women's basketball, men's basketball, football, obviously. And I was actually texting him earlier today because I was saying, look, man, I think I'm going to take Kansas. And he called me an idiot, a a dumbass. And he was like, "Uh, he's actually the one that sent me the screenshot of Kansas losing by 13 in Allen Fieldhouse when I brought up the Devon Dotson injury. So he's on top of his shit. He even sent me three pictures. Uh, one was Teague and who's their stud? Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, and then their tall white guy who looks like he should be part of the Adams family. Uh, they were all three of them were in subway getting their nourishment on as a matter of fact. So I don't know if that matters whatsoever for this upcoming Saturday, but if they lose, what did they eat on Wednesday at Subway? Is Jared Butler the person you're looking for? I, it, that's exactly who I'm looking for. Yeah, just another you know potential Naismith player. No, uh, pedo. I don't know how to say, phrase this, but Jared Subway losing, winning. I, where do I, there's got is there's got to be a sign in there somewhere, right? I don't know. It's a good stretch. Simone Biles is envious of that stretch right there. Wow. That's incredible. Incredible. Um, Freddie Gillespie, I think, is the big white dude you're thinking of. Yeah, uh, I don't like that guy. Yeah, he's uh, shooting like 55% from the field for the year, which is pretty good, which is such a big white dude stat. It um, is really good, but but I just feel like – and I haven't watched him in a little bit, but I feel I feel like last time I watched him, he was just so trigger happy. And I guess with a percentage like that, why not? But – they're just Not better players around you, man. I'm sorry. There's su- such a good example, though, of like the sum is better than its parts. Baylor is a team team. They're they have studs. Don't get me wrong. And they have really good players. But, you know, you look at some of these other teams in the country and they're going to like Marquette, like we just talked about. They're a really good team, but they're only going to go as far as Marcus Howard takes them. Seton Hall is really good. They're only but they're only going to go as far as Miles Powell takes them. I don't know Um, if I'd agree with Seton Hall. I think they're a pretty complete team. Okay, but they still have that star that's going to drive the the vehicle. Uh, Dayton has Obi Toppin and they're going to go as far as Obi takes him. This team, Baylor, they can afford to have – like Butler can have an off night, and it's going to be okay. Uh, they just played against Oklahoma without uh, 
Macy Oteague, right? I believe. So, I mean, they, they can afford to lose one of these guys or one of these guys not have a strong performance. You know, if you take Doak off of Kansas, we're going to sit here and be like, oh, man, that's going to really change their game plan. They're going to have to really become more guard-oriented. They're going to suffer uh, from rebounding losses. But I feel like Baylor is so complete that uh, they can afford to have an off night for one of their people. They're just such a, a like I said, a sum is better than the, the, the parts type of situation. Huge tilt in Waco. Corey will definitely be there. So enjoy that course. Shout out for all the insider information, insider subway information. But during this past segment, Taylor, you did mention Creighton. And I feel like I, I how about this? You say like, oh, I feel bad for Baylor if they went 17 and one and Kansas ended up winning the title or the big 12 title. Creighton, I was saying to myself, why is nobody talking about them? They're the hottest team in the country. And then you take a step back and you're like, no, the team that we just discussed, Baylor, is actually the hottest team in the country. Uh, Creighton hasn't lost in a month. Baylor has won 23 straight. But Creighton deserves some shine, and we're going to give it to them here. Kiss of Titch. Like I mentioned, they, I think the only loss that they – they have lost in a month, sorry. Lost one time, that's to Providence on the road. But uh, they just beat Marquette kind of stifled Marcus Howard if we're being brutally honest and Creighton's peaking and they are red hot at the exact right time Greg McDermott I think deserves heavy praise and he deserves to be I think he's coach of the year in the Big East I I don't necessarily yeah he's got to be coach of the year in the Big East and if when I look back at our preseason predictions I didn't think it was I didn't think Creighton was going to be this solidified in terms of a tournament team. I definitely thought at best they would be a bubble team along with Georgetown and maybe like St. John's, but Creighton has clearly separated themselves and they're gaining on Seton Hall for that first spot in the Big East. I love this Creighton team. I love them so much that as your friend theater goers, and I'm going to lump Kentucky in here too, I love both of these teams so much that I'm going to tell you right now, do not pick them to go far in the tournament. If you know, you know, if you are a veteran of picking brackets, you know, and that's why I'm telling you right now, do not take Creighton in Kentucky. So we're giving them love, but then like kind of not giving them love at the same time. I'm giving them all of my love. Okay. You just okay. need to read between the lines. Yeah, I, I'm talking I, I, I got you. I got you. Uh, Tyshawn Alexander is a ball player. That guy is an absolute 100% difference maker. He's averaging uh, 17 points a game. And one could argue that uh, scoring or the offensive side of the ball isn't even his best side of the ball. He absolutely dominated in almost every way, shape, and form. Marcus Howard last night uh, shut them down because he can. How about our boy Zagorowski? What What is that quote from? Say it again. Sorry. Shut him down because we can. Sub, you were born to be basketball players. Every one of you. Come on. I'm what's, what's the greatest moment in American sports? Oh, it's Herb Brooks. Yeah, that's this week, actually. Oh, when, Joe, I was thinking yeah. of a basketball team. Well, I I was cross sports referencing. There. Okay. Sorry. That actually, I was that, thinking like Don Haskins at uh, Texas, uh, UTEP. Yeah, actually, that's that's, that's 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice this week. So, uh, you know, I just had to pull that out, I guess. So that wasn't the uh, great opportunities quote. That was going to be too obvious. You know, 
But um, but yeah, Zegarowski knocked down a couple big free throws uh, with the game kind of on the line. Uh, their game against Marquette was definitely uh, score was closer than uh, you know what the actual domination of the game would indicate. You know, if you look at Creighton's losses on the year, they lost at Michigan, which at the time was. A, a total, that was the second game of the year. It was a fine loss. Um, they lost to San Diego State. They got crushed by San Diego State. But again, they, everybody San had. Diego, yeah, San Diego right. State hasn't lost to anyone. They lost at Butler against Villanova. And then actually their last two losses are probably their only iffy losses, and that's at Georgetown and at Providence. But again, uh, in college basketball, as we know, with that at in front of the name, anything can happen. Uh, on the road, especially in the Big East, no matter who you're playing, even a shitty team like Providence, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they are they are as good in this season of college basketball. They are as good as anybody outside of that top four or five teams that we kind of just discussed a second ago. Well, in this winning streak, their road wins have been great as well. They went into Villanova mm-hmm. and handled them. They went into Milwaukee handle them as well. So watch out for Creighton. Like I said, do not pick them to go far though. Please don't do it. Kentucky also. Uh, a few other news and notes that I want to get to. Did you catch the game between Illinois and Penn state? Uh, yes. Uh, it was an interesting viewing experience that we had uh, some complaints, but also some, uh, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Praise. Yeah, I'm not an English major. That's where you come in on this podcast. So. Yeah, but that's all right. I, I use the term incredible way too often. I need to hit the th- thesaurus as well. But I actually, I don't I don't know what my incredible count is for this episode. I'll have to take a listen. Well, but, I, I say, I say, you know, and I mean at least every sentence. So 2020, year of accountability. Illinois, Penn State, the viewing experience I thought was great. So they had an all access between both coaches, Brad Underwood and Pat Chambers. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool to hear plays. And then right after the plays being called out, whether it be on the sideline or out of a timeout, I thought it was really neat to watch the players try and execute those plays. And then even defensively, right? Pat Chambers, for example, will say, you know, X, Y, and Z is coming. Let's defend it. And it's kind of cool to see that chess match uh, before it actually happens on the court. But yeah, there were some people that didn't like it because I think they thought that it took too much away from the actual game itself. I thought it was great. I thought uh, I was able to view it both simultaneously. I was surprised, though, that both Chambers and Underwood agreed to do it. These guys seem like salt of the earth, get get the cameras out of my locker room type of guys, but they were pretty, they were pretty gung-ho about it. And a few other things that I want to mention about this type of viewing experience. This should give the viewer who hasn't played basketball specifically a better appreciation for the level of focus that these players have to bring in timeouts. Let's think about like you're in the huddle with Brad Underwood and Pat Chambers. There's music going on. You're tired as fuck. Like you just exercised for eight, maybe six minutes straight. Uh, 15 coaches are, are yelling at your ear. You got like Orlando Antigua or whatever his name was uh, that was mired in some 
uh, college basketball recruiting scandal, something. I don't know. He's like yelling different directions at you. You got Underwood, you got Pat Chambers, different assistants. And then on top of that, you got other teammates just like bench warmers saying, here we go, guys, here we go. It's like, shut the fuck up, please, so I can see what's going on. The level of focus, and of course, the fans, fans are going berserk. So the level of focus, I think there was a great appreciation for that. And then another thing that I kind of thought to myself, you got Brad Underwood and Pat Chambers who are doing great jobs this year, but by no means on a you know macro level of coaches do they have clout. Yet they are riding these refs. That's fucking Pat Chambers and Brad Underwood. Can you imagine being a ref and you got to hear Roy Williams, Coach K chirping you up and down the court, Bill Self yelling at you? Like, that's got to be tough. So I think it gave me a little bit more of an appreciation for refs also. Those are my takeaways. Yeah, nobody gives a shit if you throw Chambers out of the game. That's not new. That's not even new. That's not even going to make Sports Center, right? But if you throw Coach K out of the game, you're going to get just harassed for weeks at a time someone's one of those nerds at duke is gonna find your address and show up and send you like a scathing like letter coach k might even show up to your house and start yelling at you to shut up like he has previously to the student section there it's like giving braun his sixth foul in a game oh cannot do it just the worst how i can't remember the stat but isn't hasn't lebron only fouled out like twice in his nba career something ridiculous like that i just remember he fouled out in the 2012 eastern conference finals against the pacers and the place like it was like we just seen a supernova yeah right exactly exactly but i did uh i thought that the having never been in a college basketball locker room or a high school basketball locker room really during uh any type of large game and even if i was no disrespect to all my North Pole people. There weren't a lot of stakes that like the North Pole high school basketball team was playing for at any given time. So I, yeah, I don't, don't, don't exactly have that experience, but I know enough to know that like the locker room speeches are not like win one for the Gipper, every single fucking locker room speech at halftime. You know, it's more so of the just, Hey, why the fuck aren't we running our plays dudes? Could you fucking get it together is pretty much what I got from the halftime speeches. So I thought that was cool. Um, I will say this type of viewing experience has a time and a place. We can't do it much later in the year than this because we're getting to crunch time. And if I'm watching like Arizona, Oregon for the Pac-12 title, there's no fucking way I want like 17 screens. I just want to watch the game go. Right. So I think it's a cool experience for kind of just to see what's going on behind the scenes. I can understand a little bit of why maybe in a big game, you as one of the actual uh, fans of the two teams that were playing that maybe you'd want to just be able speaking of focus, you maybe just want to focus on the game itself. But I think it's cool to be able to see what's going on behind the scenes, especially for the casual fan that doesn't really look too much into college basketball other than when they go home and they sit down and they crank on the TV. I think it, I thought it was cool. I, I wish I would like a, a, a school like Arizona to be a part of it, but again, only like in a December match against whoever the fuck Western state tech. I don't want to do it against like Oregon with the conference on the line. Right. And, or a postseason game, uh, Sean, by the way, if we if Arizona got that, Sean would just be coughing the entire time. It'd be ter- terrible audio. It would be cough, call out a play, 
yell someone for not having a defensive rotation. I think my favorite coach, though, that I would want mic'd up and to to emulate this viewing experience, Can Frank I guess? Martin. Oh, I was oh, gonna sorry. say I was gonna say Bruce Pearl, but Pearl okay. would be awesome. But I think okay. Frank Martin would be the best, not just because he's angry all the time or anything like that. He's just intimidating, and he's a psycho. And South Carolina is not very good, so there'd be a lot more opportunities to hear how mad he would get. Do you think that uh, miking up like Bobby Hurley would just be essentially like putting a baby monitor in your toddler's, uh, in your infant's room? That would get way too old. I could do it for maybe one, like the first four minutes of the game. That's it. Could could you imagine the crying that would happen during a two-hour-long Bobby Hurley mic'd up event? Both fucking Hurleys. Yeah, whatever. The Carpenter and whatever that Bobby fucking Hurley. Yeah, right. That's not even a nickname, though. I mean... Obviously, hey, I can't hey we are not here to slander Rothstein. I'm not slandering Rothstein. I'm just saying that that's not even a nickname. But, you know, I, di- I digress on that. That has nothing to do with my hate for Arizona State or Bobby Hurley or anything like that, of course. Um, it's just I don't want to listen to him cry the whole time. Regardless, very cool experience watching that Penn State-Illinois game. Another mic'd up coach, but this was more of an interview. Rick Barnes, I thought it was kind of hysterical. At halftime against Vanderbilt, he was in a dogfight. And the sideline reporter came up to him, asked him about the offense, and in the most southern, stern voice, he just said, pathetic, pathetic. Coach, how would you evaluate your offensive performance so far? Pathetic. Because it's ridiculous. We don't respect the game more. Some of the past we're trying to grow is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. What needs to change defensively? Mindset. Offense mindset. Defensively, we did. We guarded okay, but again, it's just our mindset on offense. Thank you, Coach. And uh, I just thought it was great with Andy Kennedy on the call. So it was a couple Southern molasses mouths coming at you. Uh, so a lot, a lot of coaches mic'd up this, this week. I also want to talk real quick, Taylor. This is like the insane ramblings of the college basketball mind. All right. I'm going to preface it by saying that I had a few tweets on Sunday and then yesterday about hoops and nets. I'm talking about the literal hoop and the net itself. On Sunday, UConn played Memphis, and I got to tell you, UConn has some of the worst hoops in America. Just terrible. There, it was tight rims. It was, the net was very short. It was taut. When the ball went through, like the net barely moved. It just no, – no character. Very bland. And if I were to describe that hoop, it would be very angry, right? Even makes were miserable. Even – and the misses were terrible. So – it's just not aesthetically, it's not a nice viewing experience. Again, complete rambling right now. But Throwback Hoops, which is a great account on Twitter, they tweeted about Kevin Garnett and the Timberwolves in 2004. Those nets and hoops were on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. They were amazing. The nets would dance like Ben Stiller and Starsky and Hutch after he like accidentally took the cocaine. Those nets were so loose. They were lo- long and low, baby. Workaholics quote, long and low, like a mom butt. Those were the best hoops and the softest rips. Do you do you kind of understand where I'm coming from, or am I just a complete insane human being? No, 100%. I think what your complaint about rims and nets is my complaint about camera angles. Okay, okay. answer me this. I think we're going to be on the same page here. Give me the worst viewing experience of any arena in the country from a camera angle standpoint. Haas Pavilion. Boom. Cal just fucking sucks. No idea if the ball goes through the rim or not. The angle is just ridiculous. 
you look and I, I, I can't even imagine how many times I've did my three dance Carmelo to the temple. And I realized that Arizona threw up an air ball because it never even looked, it looked exactly the same. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what arena also has extremely soft rims. Um, Maui. Maui. Yeah. Maui has, you could throw anything up there and it's probably going to dance its way in or at least around the rim like three times. That's and actually if we're unpopular opinion, Maui's not the best viewing experience, but I think we give it a, give it a pass because it's, because it's in Maui. And yeah, it's a, it's a high school gym basically. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm so happy you said hospitalian because that place just sucks to watch a game. Well, I, and that, it's recent too. Like we, Arizona played there last week. So, well, and it's just like an every year. Thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say Cameron indoor is not an awesome viewing experience. I don't think as well. Imagine having a seat. You finally get your first time into Cameron indoor and you're sitting right behind the basket and you have to look past like the cage that is the bars. Cause the, the, there's no stanchions at Cameron indoor. They're those old high school fold up, uh, rims, which I'm sure they don't fold up anymore, but they're old school. You, you're like looking through a pole the whole time. I feel like that would suck as a fan if you had got to get stuck behind there. So I'm trying to think, Mary, the two pet peeves of ours, what's the, what's like the best arena viewing experience where we have soft rims and long nets and a, just a, a regular camera angle. I feel like there are a select few that just suck, but majority of the camera angles. Are oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to be completely biased. I think Arizona actually has an awesome viewing experience. I think the colors just work really well. They've adjusted the lighting really well. The camera angle is ideal. I think McHale works really well. And I think a lot of those arenas in that size, because McHale Center is 14,565 people, if we're counting every person. Um, and that's like the perfect college basketball arena size, I think. Cause they're able to multi-level it. They took the cameras into place. It's those some of those older arenas that they, before games were even uh, being televised, those are the ones that just fucked everything up. I believe off the top of my head, I would say Kentucky, Kentucky's camera angle is solid. Their nets are solid. They have a pretty court. I like Kentucky's, but again, these are just the insane ramblings of a college basketball mind. Well, talking about nets. In well, hold on. Let me give Kentucky a double shout out here because uh, Rupp Arena, up until just recently, they didn't have the roof strength to hold up a Jumbotron. So just until recently, they still had uh, kind of like carrier dome style screens in the corners of the arena. They just did a little bit of a renovation to Rupp to be able to put a Jumbotron in. And it actually affected uh, what their camera angle was, and it improved it just by a little bit. So if you want insider information about Jumbotrons being hung up from roofs in college basketball, you have come to the right college basketball podcast jumbotrons in in arenas and where players are eating before games that's this is what titch does i will also just really really quick nitpick and again this is just splitting hairs but on the baseline right the color scheme if it's yellow or something bright and it's behind the net you can't really tell where the net or like if the ball goes in through the net do you know what I mean? Like if the baseline is yeah. yellow right behind the net, even if it's just a letter that's filled in with yellow, again, I'm thinking of Cal, you can barely see the net. I don't know if I'm describing that well. No, I, yeah, think of like, think of Creighton actually, speaking of Creighton. Creighton has a blue baseline, but all their letters are white. So 
yeah, you could see how if the, you can't really see the net because it's like up against the G in Creighton from the camera angle. So I'm pulling a Logue from last episode of putting my hands up to the screen right now to describe how this is going to look. And none of you have any idea what I'm doing. So just picture my hands. Uh, uh, Ricky, Bobby, what, did, what do I do with my hands situation right now? Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about real quick before we get to an interview with uh, Logan Norse, celebrity lookalikes. All right. These just popped into my head and we might have to make this a little bit of a segment, but these, these guys are doppelgangers. All right. So Luca Garza, he was actually on stuff with John Rothstein, the latest episode. Did you catch it or no? Nope. Not yet. I did not. Please watch it. I know I'm you're sorry. very busy. All I'm right? sorry. Watch, watch the goddamn show, please. All right. I can find my grandma house this week. Okay. It's been struggling. All right. Grandma can take precedence over Rothstein, but until then he was devouring a chicken vodka wrap. So just, I mean, you could watch just for that, but Garza was on uh, stuffed and it hit me. He looks like a younger Matt Dillon. Hmm. You know who he also looks like shark brought this up. Mason Rudolph. (laughs) Yeah. The non-racist Mason Rudolph. Sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not making accusations. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) So you know what uh, Luca was actually doing the other night? He was watching The Bachelor with Fran and Connor McCaffrey. Wow! And we are a Bachelor supporting program. Uh, you know, now that we have a friend of the Final Four. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think Bruce Pearl listens to our podcast? No chance. Why? Because he I would hope so, but no. Even though this was shot like four months ago, The Bachelor, and we're just seeing it now. He straight up stole our two Final Fours in a year line on The Bachelor the other day. I mean, he straight up stole almost word for word what we said. Maybe Virgo, maybe Virgo's sending along the, the audio. Has to be. I'm super disappointed that Virgo didn't make an appearance either. It ruined the whole thing. Actually, can the I... What's the point of doing hometowns if there's no Virgo? I want to defend because we're an Auburn podcast. War Eagle. Also I'm, an Iowa podcast. Yes, also an Iowa podcast. And then also an Illinois podcast as well. Uh, Soon to be of, a Dayton podcast. M- most as well. of the time, yeah. Actually, we're going to be officially a Dayton podcast after today. Definitely. Um, I there was a lot of hate for Chad Pruitt's hair on Twitter, and I want to defend our guy Chad Pruitt, director of basketball operations for Auburn. You know, it's a stressful situation. Your daughter is bringing some goofball into the house who just sucks at everything. His basketball performance on The Bachelor was just atrocious, and people people were hating on Chad Pruitt's hair, and I don't I don't support any of that hate. I just want to make sure that we're clear, since we're an Auburn podcast, that we didn't support any of the hate on Chad Pruitt's hair. That's how you defend the wall. Mm-hmm. I will also say, just as a side note about hometowns, being an Indian person and a child of Indian immigrants, I always find it so funny during these hometowns <laughs> when the parents are just like so invested in the emotions of a relationship. I promise you any immigrant parent, Asian parent would just be like, why are you like, are you married? Why are you bringing her here? Do you want to marry her? Like, I I guess that's also what they're asking, but they're like, just, just make sure you fight for her. All this shit. Shut the fuck up. They will tell you your like profession comes before uh, your wife or any sort of love. And that's I just love these little conversations that Pete has with the parents. I just I so I similarly don't understand how like the siblings are crying with each other in the bedroom. No matter and this isn't even just a, a brother or sister, you know, a sister or brother thing. Every time they bring a sibling in, they're like, Oh my god, Taryn, I've never seen you so happy. It's like, bitch, I got here five minutes ago. 
like how do you what do you mean you've never seen me so happy do you think like if you were on the bachelor a shoke is going to pull you into one of the side rooms and be like taryn man i've this is incredible just start tearing up no my sister'd be like yeah that bitch seems cool you know like there would have there's none of this emotion involved i i'm with you but from the from the sibling standpoint there it's wild and that was talking bachelor uh but yeah Shark is gonna, shark is gonna hate this podcast. By the way, good. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the, the chains are loose. Uh, but yeah, Luca Garza looks like Matt Dillon, and you know that's a good thing. Matt Dillon criminally underrated in terms of the films that he's put out. Right, you got something about Mary, Crash, You, Me, and Dupree. Love all those. That's several something about Mary references, and like, is that back to back to back something about Mary references? Did we have? A, I remember the first one was Peyton Pritchard not knowing it because he's a fraud about rom coms. And then there was some something about Mary reference last week, I think, or last episode. I'll have to go to the audio. I don't but, know. That mean that means you'd have to actually we'd have to actually listen back to our own podcast. But I don't want to listen to my voice at at any time, so I just kind of skip to the parts where you talk. If we're being completely honest, that's fine. As long as you get those plays up, that's all I care about. Right. Uh, and another person in terms of celebrity lookalikes, Bobby Hurley, or excuse me, Bob Hurley, dad, Hurley, St. Anthony's Hurley. He is the older version of Christian Bale. Look at them side by side. Christian Bale could absolutely, if Christian Bale could play Dick Cheney, he could absolutely play Bob Hurley senior. And we need a movie about St. Anthony's. We need, like, we need a film about that. So I'm calling on all of Hollywood instead of remaking oh, wow. the same. Yeah. Instead wow. of remaking the exact same superhero movie that you do every single year. And instead of remaking a, you know, movie about like with Ben Affleck, which is essentially coach Carter, shout out to Rome who, you know, he's in that movie, our mm. friend, Rome Mathis, friend of the program, friend of the program. Uh, uh, also, what about St. Anthony's? Also, Rome wasn't built in a day. I just want to throw that tagline out there uh, that he has on his Twitter profile. Uh, I'm just going to ignore everything you just said and go back to the, the fact that how did you come up with the fact that he looks like Christian Bale? Did you read this somewhere or did you just come up with this organically? I was watching the, again, it was the, he was at the UConn Memphis game. I, I was doing everything apparently during that UConn Memphis game except for watching the game. It's the sharp nose though. Yeah, no, it's 100% the nose. Definitely. Definitely. That's incredible. What a, what a look there for you on your part, just hard rims and even tougher actors, I guess. Just, uh, you know, pray, pray for your boy. I, I got it. I got a wild, wild imagination. Could you imagine all of the good we could do the actual genuine tangible good we could do if this shit was not running around my brain? Yeah. Oh, good probably cured cancer or you know i don't know done something other than drink a thousand beers uh and watch college basketball but really some people are put on this earth to do different things and i feel like we were put on this earth to drink a million beers and watch college basketball everybody's got a purpose and i toss some golf in there from time to time too you know we've all got roles to play we're supporters of those people's professions we just hope people turn around and support ours in return i guess I guess we'll never know. Uh, all right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Logan Norris. But before we do that, a quick message from Zach at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right. We now welcome to the show Logan Norris, former Dayton basketball player from 2007 to 2011. Thanks for joining, amigo. Uh, you played majority of your time under Brian Gregory and also 
Archie, right? Did you get any time with Archie? I didn't play. I didn't play with Archie. Actually, he was actually he was uh, very instrumental. Um, and first off, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's awesome. Um, I've been listening to your guys' stuff, and you guys you guys know your stuff, and uh, here to have a little fun. But also, you, hopefully, you guys can educate me and and let me know uh, what's going on this year in, in college basketball for sure. I don't usually start paying attention till around this time of year, anyways. So good timing. Um, but actually Archie, so Archie took over after I graduated. So I was, uh, I was during the whole Gregory regime. Um, and then Archie filled in, he actually did my senior banquet. So BG took the, uh, job tech job and he was out of here the next day. So, you know, um, but Archie was really, really awesome. He actually was part of the, uh, part of the reason that I'm out here in Phoenix. He, um, contacted his brother and got me connected with the sons and, Got a nice little gig out here for the Phoenix Suns. So um, props to Archie. He's always been really receptive to alumni guys, whether we sat or we actually played. So, huh. but yeah, I was, I was during the Gregory uh, era. Dude, that's quite a connection, man. The reason I asked about Archie is because we actually had an Indiana super fan on last episode. I mean, he, this guy, if you think we know our shit, it's nothing compared to him. But he's kind of getting fed up with Archie at, at Indiana and he described him as scrappy do. So in your interactions <laughs> that you had with Archie, is that a fair comparison? I mean, I, I don't think so. Actually, I'm going to stand up for the guy. I'm going to stand up for the guy. I think, uh, did he make a mistake leaving Dayton? Of course. I mean, nobody, nobody really does well after they leave Dayton. Let's be real. I don't think the last four or five guys that left the university of Dayton did very well, but who would, um, um, so, and I don't know if I'm coming in with the audio. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I do, I do think Archie, um, at Dayton, it took him a little bit to catch, to catch hold. Uh, I think you got to let the guy get through his recruiting class. I mean, how, how many years has he been with Indiana? Uh, this is third right now. Yeah. Well, wasn't, uh, wasn't like, cause I listened to that episode. Wasn't he saying something about administration and this, this and that. And I just, I personally think the guy isn't, he's not hot garbage. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's proven at least at the mid-major level. So I think he'll catch hold, uh, pretty quickly. I think he's a great, uh, X's and O's coach. One of the best that I've ever seen personally. So. Yeah, it is kind of weird when teams leave, uh, like Shaka Smart, for example, uh, they leave their, you know, non-major school, not that Dayton's not a major school, but kind of like the non-Michigan, non-Ohio State, non-Kentucky schools. And then, they try and bring their personality to a larger program, but a lot of times that doesn't fly. We see it in football a lot and in basketball a lot. Do you think that Archie had the type of personality or has the type of personality that would have worked in that works anywhere? Or do you think he was a little better at maybe a smaller school, a basketball only type school? That's a good question. I mean, he, he looks a lot like Sean Miller, so he's got the look down, right? Um, <laughs> and yes, this is a, we're, we're no Miller would, slander on this podcast, yeah, as you no imagine. Miller, yeah, I know, I know you guys aren't about that life, but listen, I think, uh, I think, uh, Indiana is, is always going to be one of those programs that, I mean, let's be real, like as, as a society, we always want Indiana basketball to, to do damage or to be good. You know, they're, I would put them in the same breath as the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the North Carolinas. Like, you know, it's always entertaining to, to watch a program do really well. Um, I just don't think that they've really had it with, with recruiting. I don't really think they've had, uh, 
any leverage in, in the past, you know, years in, in that sort of realm. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I just really feel like there's no, ever since Oladipo, I mean, you got guys that, you know, five-star recruits aren't going to Indiana like they used to anymore. And I think that's probably part of the issue when you get into saying, is he, is, is he worthy or not worthy? Um, I would look at the recruiting and see, see what kind of guys he's bringing in. X's and O's. I mean, mid-major schools that, that come on, there's, there's no better way to learn X's and O's. It's, it's how you win ball games in, in the mid-major, you know, programs or the ranks. So, um, I'm not, I'm not counting them out yet. I just think it's a tough job to take. Honestly, it's, you know, it's a tough job to take in today's society or today's world of college basketball. So let's pivot to you for a sec, Logue. You walked onto Dayton, right? Yeah. Okay. When you got to tryouts, were you like, Oh, I could definitely make this team looking around playing against these guys, or was it more competitive than you had expected? Or was it pretty on par with what you were thinking? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It was it was way more competitive. I'm from a small town. I'm from Spencer, Ohio. Shout out Spencer, Ohio. Um, we got like two thousand people there, right? So I actually was a preferred walk on. So um, I did I didn't have to do any tryouts. I went to a prospect camp when I was a junior in high school, um, and I ended up doing pretty well. I was about 150 pounds soaking wet, like six one, just you know, white dude who could shoot the shit out of the ball. Um, so I did pretty well and they just kind of kept in touch with me and kept in touch with me. And I was, uh, I went on a visit there. I don't know if it was an official or if walk-ons get official visits, but I went on a visit there and watched, uh, watched a game there. And man, if you guys have ever been to a uh, UD arena, it's like, I, I put it up there with the best in the, in the country. So I was pretty sold after that, but the athletes at that level, the next level are, you know, it's. <laughs> It, it, it is actually pretty ridiculous. And you look at and you watch TV and you're like, that guy doesn't look big. No, that guy is big and he can jump at least, you know, five, 10 inches higher than the normal person can as well. So yeah, that it was, it was very shocking coming from a small town. So I'm, well, you know me, I'm also from a small town. I have a number of buddies that played D2 basketball and we were t- actually talking before the show about, yeah, just the level between even like the best D2 players and the worst D1 players. It's just an incredible difference where it's like, oh no, I like my D2 buddies are like the guys we, you would run with at LA Fitness. And then like even a D1 guy would come in and just fucking crush those guys. So those I mean, I would yeah, those guys are fucking tough too, though. The D two guys are tough. I'm telling you, those guys, those guys are. The well, dudes but they're like the five ten version of tough. They're not like yeah. the six seven version of tough. That's the problem, yeah. right? That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no doubt. So, at the time, and again, I was creeping on your profile, doing a little bit of research. Can't blame me, man. I'm trying to be as prepared as possible. It's all good. Is yeah. Was it the first time or no? It was the first time, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but at the time of your senior class, right, you guys were the winningest class in program history, correct? True, yeah. 97 wins. Does that still stand? It does not stand. Actually, my uh, so we had a little bit of an overlap. So the I think they were the, 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 the freshman class when I was a senior ended up going to the tournament, what was it, in 2016, I think? Or no. I think it was yeah, yeah. Or 16, 15, yeah. 15, but yeah, there was a, there was a bit of a labor. They, they broke our record. So, so are you like Alan Iverson showing love to the youth and the younger generations? Like go break that. Or are you more like, 
Mercury Morris with a bottle of champagne <laughs> when they don't break that 97? I'm a little bit, I, I would have to say I'm a little bit Mercury Morris just because, you know what? Just because I sat, I sat on the bench. Come on, give me something. Give me something. I didn't even play in a, about 90% of those wins. Come on. Let, let me have something to hold on to. True. true no, true. but I, I, yeah, I mean, credit, I'm always rooting for the, for the university, but it is always kind of fun when it's like, uh, when you, when you, when you have something that's, especially as, as rich of a history as Dayton, it's kind of a fun fact, if you will. So that kind of leads me to a, a discussion that, uh, non-athletic people like me have quite often who are still 150 pounds soaking wet. Uh, <laughs> and that is. You, would you rather go walk on at a school that makes it to an NCAA tournament and has an awesome atmosphere and has some basketball notoriety and you get some fucking sweet gear and all that type of stuff? Or would you rather go play somewhere that never makes the tournament or, you know, you're playing in like a glorified high school gym? Did you go through that thought in your mind out, out of high school or what are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent. Um that's such a tough question to answer, honestly. Like, you guys have seen enough basketball, and you've probably been in enough basketball places. Like, uh, you know, I go to, um, like, LaSalle's gym, not to crack on them too much, but I'm not so sure that that is a Division One atmosphere, but yet you're in Division One. You know what I mean? And um, you go to a place like Dayton or just maybe geographically it might be a thing since they're, they're in Philly and there's 18 sports teams in Philly to root for, right? Um I would probably, especially with the university, like Dayton was a small campus. There was only about 800 or 8,000 people. Um, so, it, you know, I think I would probably say walking onto a better program and getting sweet gear and getting recognition and just having, being along for that ride is something that I don't, I don't regret one bit. Um, did it go through my mind to like do something else? Of course. But once you set ego aside and you, you know, you realize that this is college and it's, it's, part of the fun is having fun. Right. Um, then I think you kind of realize where your niche is. And if you're not going to the league, like I, I really didn't have a chance to. Um, <laughs> so I, I would, I would definitely say walking on to, to a place like Dayton or, you know, a bigger school would be something that's more cherished, you know, you're nothing if not consistent, Logan, because part of my creeping and part of the creeping your page, you said, why, they asked you, I think, why did you choose UD? You said, quote, it has a great community and great campus. So I'll let you in on a little secret. I was at UD actually earlier this year and I took in a game. And so, yeah, man, I got goons in Dayton, man. Not real goons, but I got people in Dayton and they took me to Timothy's Bar and Grill. Okay, <laughs> here we go. I've been there. Did you get a, so they, <laughs> Tim's. All right. So there's a, yeah, there's, there's a ton of, uh, obviously, I mean, you guys, you guys know me. I mean, like quick backstory. I, I know these guys previously to this, you know, podcast, they just had me on, but, um, Tim's is probably one of the, so there's a, you, you know, that there's a drink there called the wall or a wall. Did you have one of those? I think that's probably the closest beverage to uh, to you know that stuff that's on the bottom of like those those rubber mats at the bar, like the rubber mats on the actual bar. I think they just put those in a draining system and and put them in a in a Gatorade cooler and pour them out. That's honestly, I'm not even kidding you. I don't know what's in a wall. 
but I can tell you Timothy's after about two or three of those is, is one of the best places to be on Dane's campus. That's for sure. It's just like the runoff sludge <laughs> of, of the fucking bar. Yeah, it's yeah, it's but all the alcohol kills it anyways, so it's fine. It so they like my buddies actually took me there, and then unfortunately, UD was on spring break, and they were telling me, you know, it, it was pretty empty, but again, no students there. And they were they wanted to stress like this is this used to be the spot like the dance floor. Now was the <laughs> dance floor as grimy as I've heard? The dance floor it was sticky, more sticky than you probably heard. Um, there was a stripper pole in there. I think a couple of them. I have been on that stripper pole, by the way, <laughs> naturally. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. I think I haven't been back actually to campus since about. I think, man, it's been like three or four years. But I, I have heard Tim's went some reno- went through some renovations, and it's a little bit different now. But, um, but it was just probably good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> glad to see my tuitions going. Uh, my my student loans are being paid to something <laughs> that's productive. But yeah, so that's good. So it's Tim's when when Dayton goes to the Final Four this year, right? And the couches are about to get burned and shit. Which bar is it? Tim's is that the bar you'd want to be in in Dayton to watch that happen? I think Tim's is probably the one you want to go to after. Okay. After, um, man, I don't, I don't know. That's a tough question. There's, Are you okay? There's, here, let me let me curtail the question. Then, then, would you rather watch your well, school that you went to in at the actual game or in a bar like on campus? Oh, I, I mean, I would want to go to the actual game. Okay. However, however, Dayton is see. That's a tough question because I'm like thinking of bars that I went to at on UD's campus. You know, those your friends that were um, that were saying this is where the spot used to be and this was was where the spot used to be. I guarantee they said somewhere between like Stone Mill and Key Favor Street with all of those houses because we call it the ghetto, right? Because those houses are so close together, and the ghetto is basically a student neighborhood where you know the year that we went to the the tournament made the Elite Eight. I think we kind of went viral for a little bit on like Barstool with people on top of houses and just police riots and i mean it was pretty ridiculous but it wasn't surprising to somebody who's been there because everybody is so passionate about dayton i think i think we're one of maybe two or three d1 like programs on campus so everybody pays attention to to dayton basketball and dayton and it's a house party would be the answer before i hit tim's in the ghetto in the ghetto house party in the ghetto House party in the ghetto, baby. Perfect. 420, I, it, hey, 423 key favor in 2011 was popping, let me tell you. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I remember those videos like vividly from like people jumping like off roofs, I think. And, into yeah, the streets. And, yeah. Yeah. It was wild. And there was like 17 couches on fire and shit. And then, of course, there was maybe the greatest uh, newspaper headline in the history of post-college wins after that tournament because you guys beat Ohio State in the tournament, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah wasn't we, it? Yeah, wasn't it yeah. the? It was the yeah. University of Dayton, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we beat them and to go to the Sweet Sixteen. I believe so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Was there was any big... internal conflict with that with you, Logan? Because I know you're you uh, No, 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 no. So that's that's where it gets confused. I've never been an Ohio State basketball fan since the day I stepped on Dayton's Dayton's campus. Um, we played them one time and they beat us in the NIT my freshman year, but we don't like. It's interesting because I don't think we're a rival with them, but 
I, I don't categorize them with football and basketball. As so you know, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up rivalries because my friends, this is another thing that they had told me during their time there at Dayton. They said that Dayton Xavier was a bigger and more fierce rivalry than Xavier Cincinnati. Is there any truth to that? I think you, I think you've asked me this before. One of you two have asked me this before, like on and off, probably you turned since I've, uh, since you, you've been to Dayton's campus with some buddies. Um, I mean, I, I can't really say because I've never been a part of that Xavier Cincinnati rivalry, but I do personally feel like I, for me personally, we hated Xavier. There was no, like we went to, we went and played Cincinnati. We played Ohio state and like, the emphasis on that game were was way less and the hatred was way less. Um, it's like Michigan. So let me give you an example. It's probably like Michigan, like the university of Michigan wants to say because they lose to Ohio state and stuff that they want to say that Michigan state is a bigger rival and that they cherish playing that game a little bit more. It, it, I feel like it has a similar feel to that, but I feel like as a complete fan base, um, Xavier and, and Dayton are, is up there with like a Michigan Ohio State heated rival. I mean, I think it's the I think it's the Michigan Ohio State of mid majors. If you guys, really? you know, I, maybe I'm mistaken, but or maybe I'm just too close to the source. Probably the latter of the two. But it's uh, it's 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 there's some heated battles when I played. So no, I mean you're the best person to ask to be honest with you and i i just i was curious because i get xavier cincinnati they're like five miles apart but yeah. you're pretty much equal to, like you're what 45 minutes away from cincinnati and xavier like why xavier and not cincinnati well i think xavier for years they owned the, the a10 i remember playing against um gosh they had a team it was my freshman year they had a, they had such a good team I can't even for the life of me remember half of their names. I mean, you two guys Holloway. Was two Holloway. Oh man, two Holloway. Uh, Jordan Crawford. Jordan Cro- Jordan Crawford was always talking shit. I mean, the A10 tournament we played them in the semifinal and got in a fight, like an all-out fight before like before tip-off, before even the cameras were rolling. Like it, I think it was just a for Dayton for Dayton fans at least when I played Xavier was better than us. They they usually had the upper hand. Um, not saying that we didn't get the best of them at times, but I think for Dayton fans, for sure, if you're asking a Dayton fan, it's a bigger rival than any other rival in sports to them. Derek Brown would so, have been there too for games. Derek Brown, yeah. number five, throwing it down. Yeah, he's uh, an athlete for sure. So let me Who's ask the, you about, about a closer yeah. rival here real quick. Speaking of proximity, I'm a big Wright State basketball believer here, and that's only like what ten minutes from you guys. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys play every year? We don't, which is interesting. Really? Yeah, I didn't even. I did not play Wright State one time in my whole whole entire career. Yeah, that's really I interesting because isn't it literally like ten minutes away? It's literally like ten minutes away. Yeah, you think I that did, would be an easy like um, no, opening game of the year type of deal? I literally didn't even sit against Wright State, so that that accounts for a hundred percent of the times that I would have been involved <laughs> sitting or playing. Um, so I have a little story about Wright State, which I refer to as Wrong State affectionately in Dayton, Ohio. We do, but um, Wright State. I actually had a visit with them, similar to Dayton. Um, and thank God I didn't go to, to Wright State. 
I mean, no offense if you're a Wright State fan, um, but I was in I was in a workout with them, and it was like my junior year, and I I was during football season, and I was like lifting and stuff like this, and the coach afterwards ran up and down and he said we're not really looking to recruit football players we're looking to recruit basketball players and that was the last that was the last time i heard from him so sounds like a dick yeah not not a huge fan of right state in general but thank god that i you know (laughs) thank god that i didn't go to wrong state that's all yeah but we never we never played them there was no hatred and it was kind of weird because dayton it's like University of Dayton is kind of like the sellout crap. Like I think when we played, there was, I think we had like 58 sellouts in a row at Dayton. And I don't think they've ever sold out the Metter Center one time. So it's kind of weird. It's a, it's a weird dynamic, you know? I've never heard of that stadium before. <laughs> I love that it's called the Nutter Center. The Nutter, the Nutter Center. Yeah, that's literally the Nutter Center. Yeah. Uh, so I want to pivot to this year's Dayton team though as well, Logue, because – so question, have you ever seen All That, She's All That, or Not Another Teen Movie? Of course. Good. Yeah, yeah. First of all, good. So a little bit of background, theater in college, who's, we're big movie guys as well. But I'm glad you've seen those two movies because Lainey Boggs, right? Her whole arc is that she's ugly as fuck in the beginning, <laughs> like this art freak in the beginning. Yeah. And then she glows up into this beautiful, sexy girl that everyone wants to take to prom. That's kind of how I picture the three mid-majors that are in the top five this year. It's you guys, Dayton, SDSU, and Gonzaga. I mean, mid-majors we generally think of as these non-sexy teams, but mm. these three teams are now potential Final Four uh, contenders. I'm going to ask you, why is Dayton uh, the sexiest of these three? Wow. Um, man, I – so – that's, I mean, that's, that's a good question. My mirror could be a little skewed as well. So keep that in mind. Um, but I, I really think so with, uh, so number one, we, uh, from what I have seen and I've, I've, I watched them when they came out here out West in Phoenix and played St. Mary's, which is a good win. Right. So, um, I've seen them live and then I've also kept up with them, um, uh, as much as I, as much as I could. And, so number one, they, their two losses are against top 25 teams, one being Kansas in overtime, right? And in the Maui Invitational. Um, and then and then the other one, I think we lost that by two. And then the other one was Colorado, which at the time I thought was a really bad loss, but they're 18, you know, in the nation right now. So it's like when you look at our losses, A, I saw this on ESPN or Sports Center the other night when they were running highlights is we haven't lost. We were one of two teams that haven't lost in regulation. So the games that we have lost are actually in overtime. Number That's one. That's a nugget. Holy shit. Right. So we ha- we haven't lost in regulation. So I think even the games that we have lost, we have had good experience against tough teams that we're going to face similar situations in the tournament like that. But you got for me, you got a, a solid point guard and Jalen Crutcher. Um, and, and also Coach Grant, what he's done with this team is phenomenal, right? Because I, I, I remember one of my homies uh, texting me before the, the Kansas game and asking me, like, is Obi like the real deal? What's going on with this guy? And I, I, I was really skeptical. I was like, I'm, I'm not so sure, but we'll see. 
we'll see how he does. But anytime you have a good point guard, like center forward combination like that, and then you can fill in the blanks with guys, guys like, uh, you know, Trey Landers, um, uh, Ryan Mikesell, who can stretch the floor and, and, and plays bigger than he is and smarter than, than a lot of college guys do. I like, you know, I, I think we stand a really, really good chance against any sort of talent that we face because of our efficiency. I mean, <laughs> I think we're also number one in field goal percentage in the, in the, in the country as well, which is like, that makes playing defense a lot easier when you don't miss the bat, you know, that's so I, I really do think that we, uh, if we went out, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, if we went out and we get some help, a little bit of help, I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be a one seed with two losses. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see between those three teams who gets a one seed because it's such an interesting uh, debacle or a situation that the t- committee is going to have. They're going to have a number of mid-major or non-basketball schools as uh, their potential number one seeds. And also to echo your thought, Dayton is having the most efficient season from two point and two point baskets in the history of college basketball and shooting something yeah. like 70% from two, in the hit, which in is the just ridiculous. Yeah. In the history of college basketball. It's and absurd. It is. And to your point, Logan, it's also, I mean, even if you don't get that one seed, you're obviously prepped for the tournament. But when you take a step back, it kind of just sucks that this one year, this whack, I mean, it's been a wacky year, but you look over at the Big 12 and you're like, God damn it. Why did two teams in the Big 12, Baylor and Kansas, have to have epic seasons? True. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they're about to play. So, you know, who knows? We could, we could get some help. I'm kind of thinking that if Kansas wins, we could get more help. If I don't know, we'll see who knows. There's a lot of basketball to be played. So that's why I try to keep it pretty low key in terms of getting too overly excited at this time of year. Cause look, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, like the, the toughest thing to do is close out a conference championship and, and any conference that you're in, you know what I'm saying? We, I think we play uh, Rhode Island on the road. And that's no, that's a tough place to play, and they're good this year. And then I think we have Davidson at home. Um, but I mean, look, like there's five, six games in the regular season, and then a whole tournament to play. So I, I could very well be saying we're happy with a four seed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just as much as as one. Like really, though. No, it's a fair point. Um, so I went to the flight deck, by the way, at UD's like the arena, and the renovations. That place is sick, man. Was that there when you were there? Or no. Have they completely revamped it? No, they 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 revamped it um, two years ago. So, um, but yeah, am I right? Tell it's me amazing. about it. No, tell I, me about it. I've only seen renderings. Seriously, but it that that UD Arena is one of the most special setups I think in college basketball. It gives like a really good feel for. It packs a ton of people in there. It's not a small stadium by any means. It seats 15,000 and it has a bit of a pro feel, but it really, really has a college feel with the noise. Like there, we pack it and we make it loud, but tell me, tell me what the, uh, I've only seen renderings. What was the flight deck like? Oh, sweet. It was like a full bar overlooking the crowd. It was like you're out in front of a boat and you just look over uh, like the, the ocean, but it's really the court. And then, yeah. like I said, full bar, which was great. 
And it wasn't too crowded. I forget exactly who they were playing, but also Obi Toppin during that game had one of the most majestic rebounds I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was, nobody goes crazy over a rebound, like a defensive rebound where there's no one in the paint. The whole fucking crowd gasped when Obi Toppin <laughs> snagged a rebound. It was that cool. But yeah. I mean, that's my full review on the game that I went to. Well, um, you know, you talk about how nice arena is. Obviously, it's, you know, there's no secret that they play the opening, you know, round of four there for a reason. A, it's centrally located, but B, it's a dope arena. So that leads me to this. Dayton aside, what's the best arena that you played in in your career? And what's the worst? Mm. Other than Dayton. Other than Dayton, what's the best? Okay, I will say we'll start from worst to first. I'm going to say Fordham is pretty bad in the Bronx. They're pretty bad. Um, I I think Spencerville might have a bigger gym than Fordham. And a a father. But, again, New York City, you have 18 – you literally have so many teams. So I'll say it's a tie between Fordham and LaSalle. Sorry about it, LaSalle. I'm cracking on you guys again. But, you, I mean, surprisingly, they get great talent. They actually have really good teams in the last 10 years, I, I think, anyways. Um, but I would say those are probably the two worst. The, I'll give you the the two best is – man, do you want the loudest or the best? The best do, is – Do both. Both, yeah. So I've I, I've played the, – the best arena I've played in was um, Madison Square Garden. But that's not really a college arena, right? Yeah, no, well, yeah, okay, no shit. Yeah, that would be the best, right? <laughs> yeah, we played uh, North Carolina, won uh, an NIT championship in Madison Square Garden. So that's like, <laughs> can we talk about the NIT for one second, guys? <laughs> yeah, please do, please. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, man, you got a team that's going to be like a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, but that's fine. It was on the bubble for the NIT. Um, no, I'm. but so I would say... So I would actually say that um, I played in Freedom Hall back when uh, back when Louisville was with Rick Pitino, and they were so they were solid. They had man, that was like Terrence Williams and those guys, which we actually won. That was my freshman year, but that was like eye opening uh, what college basketball is all about and how loud it got and just. Yeah, Terrence, um, that, Terrence Williams, not a small man. We got Arizona got victimized by him uh, in the tournament. Goodbye. We lost by what a million <laughs> in the Sweet Sixteen to or to Louisville that year. So yeah, right. Obviously, I'm, I wasn't on the court with him like yourself, but I I recognize his size. Don't worry. Well, you were probably sitting or standing at least in the crowd, correct? I wasn't no, even there. The I wasn't no. even there. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, yeah. I was. I was shaming myself on the couch because we were down by like forty-five. So yeah, there you go. I man, it's tough to say though. Um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to round this out because I want to give like another mid-major some props. Um, I don't honestly like Xavier was such a loud atmosphere that 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 arena was really cool. Um, you know, surprisingly, a school like down south that doesn't get a lot of props is Charleston. I They had a really, really cool um, feel to their stadium and a really passionate fan base, surprisingly. Um, but those are just some of the, like, loudest times that I've ever heard crowds, like, in my eardrums. And so they kind of, like, that resonates. Oh, SLU, too, St. Lou. They, uh, they just built an arena about maybe, like, 10 years ago. But that place gets rocking, too, and I think it seats about 12,000. 
A10 needs to get a lot more love in terms of like the stadiums and the crowds that that come through there. Because you're right, Dayton. When I went there, a lot of fun. I've heard great things about St. Louis. I know the Ryan Center up in Kingston is is pretty good as well. So A10 has has some good crowds. And Logue, I'll get you out of here on these last two questions. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about tight rims and short nets versus long like cotton thick nets and soft rims like they have in Maui actually. So you're a hooper. Do you have a preference on your picture perfect hoop that you want to shoot on? Um actually kind of yeah. I don't I think it's one of those like real specific nylon nets that swish real hard they get stuck up in the rim. Um but not it's not it's somewhere in between. It's, it has to be somewhere in between. It, it can't be. It can't be too broke where you hear it when it misses, but it can't be too tight that it bounces into the crowd when it when it misses. You know what I mean? Um, I, I I'm just speaking uh, from a pure shooter's standpoint. So you know, <laughs> um, no. But I I think that's probably my my ideal rim is the net like a like a like a short net that catches the ball for some reason that irritates me. And, and a long net that goes through the hoop. I feel like I'm at like a Chuck E. Cheese or something. Like I should be getting the getting the ball like sent back to me at the free throw line when I hit it. So I don't know. That's just uh, that's just me though. So just looking for somewhere in between because I like them long and low. Long and low. Long that's and how low. I like them. So you like the rim, like the you like like you like a lot of reverb. Like explain to me the low part. What is yeah. what do you mean by that? So the low part is just the net. So the other day we were watching UConn Memphis and UConn has this net that's just like super taut and tight and short. Like it, it just looks ugly. It sounds ugly even on a make, but I mean, on a, on a long and low net, you get that like true pure swish sound. That's fair. That's kind of, I mean, that's, that's just me. That's uh, fair. Can we all agree that the short nets that catch the ball when I don't even get a switch. Can we all agree on that one, though? That's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's last. That fucks up your whole inbound, too, if I would, you're the defender. Exactly. I'd rather, I'd rather fucking go down to the park and shoot on a double rim with a chain net. There's nothing worse, too, than, like, at the end of the game and someone hits a second with, like, a shot with, like, 1.6 seconds left and the ball gets stuck up in the net for, like, half of a second and then it comes down and then you're fucked getting the ball. Yeah, exactly. And we've actually seen that happen at least a dozen times before, I would imagine. So, completely with you. From the non-basketball player perspective, I'm completely with you on that. Yeah, this is couch potato uh, criticisms of hoop. I've been a a couch potato now running on since – 2011 so i'm can can i get a can i get in that group now of course course, more than we'll welcome you with open arms uh last question for you logan if dayton does go to the atlanta for the final four and by the way after this interview we are now a dayton podcast in addition to an iowa podcast illinois podcast wisconsin oregon these are all of our teams we are not a wisconsin podcast we're not Mark, the shark, the shark is, I, he's part of this trilogy, regardless if, and when Dayton gets to Atlanta for the final four, do you, as an alum, as a player alum, do you automatically get tickets? Ooh, man, probably not. I mean, really though, probably not I, there. I'm going to play an angle to get some, trust me on that. Trust me. I will go, I will go down playing angles to get tickets from the ball boys, you know, ticket list 
I don't care. I'm going to, I'll try to get a ticket. Um, but if I can't, I'm going to get a ticket. So, uh, you'll I be in the it, building regardless. I, look, Dayton, Dayton fans travel pretty well too. So I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of people looking to at least play that same angle. Um, and the last time I checked, I'm no longer part of the most winningest class in school history. So I got, I really don't got much left. So, well, here's what we'll do. If they don't slide you those tickets, let us know what we can do. We will use our platform of like 297 followers on Twitter. All right. And we'll get you those goddamn tickets because you deserve them. Hell yeah. I appreciate you guys. You guys are, uh, you guys are awesome. And I'm, I'm shocked at the knowledge. Um, if you guys are just tuning into this podcast, I really, really recommend it. Um, you know, coming from somebody who enjoys college basketball and just basketball in general, I think you guys do a great job and, uh, and, uh, subscribe. All right. Now say that one, one additional thing that we're not forcing you to say that you said that on your own volition, right? That's right. I, I did say that on my volition. Uh, go Flyers. We are, may I say, Final Four bound? Yeah. Say I also, yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think if we went out, we, we deserve a one seed. Um, how long does it take to get respect? Uh, you know, how long? it's not an overnight success. So I'm proud of, I'm proud of the Flyers for sure. And uh, yeah, let's keep this thing rolling. I hope, I hope in March, I don't look back and, and, and think what the hell was I saying? Um, but I think, uh, I think the best is yet to come for, for this year's team. Absolutely. Well, Hey man, thank you so much again for jumping on. We really appreciate the time and we'll chat with you later. Sounds good. Let's go ahead and end this here, Taylor, with some segments. First of all, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? So it's my turn and I will throw out a name that you may or may not recognize. I think you do, but you remember Chaz McFarland? Chaz McFarland. Take sounds... it, just take take your best guess. Mm, I don't even. I'm not even sure. How, I, McFarland sounds familiar, but I, I can't think of Chaz McFarland. Chaz McFarland, former big man for Wake Forest. He was a seven footer, and I think he was on that Farouk team. He sure. was on that Dino Gaudio team. That team that was ranked number one in the country at one point. If you can even wrap your head around that. Right with with the way Wake is right. sputtering now, but Chaz McFarland, uh, right now he owns a property restoration company servicing the Dallas Fort Worth area. Now we've done it, Taylor. We finally found someone who isn't in finance, insurance, or sales, but rather in home services. Now, to be fair, he he did he did have a little bit of a stint, you know, playing ball, but he's in home services now. I feel like that's still kind of real estate related though. Well, it's his role here. What's his damage restoration. Okay. Okay. He's the owner. I don't know. So basically like, like fire. So here's what he did. Here's what he did. Damage. Yeah. He took everybody, all the former college basketball players that are in the real estate industry and all of the college basketball players who are now insurance salesmen and became the middle man. A flood comes through. These people can't sell their house because a flood flooded out the house. They want insurance to pay. Who are they going to call? Chaz McFarland. I, I see what he did here. I see what it's he actually, did. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, he's got a, quite the racket here. I hope there are some former college basketball players that are listening to this podcast. I'm sure there are at least dozens of them that uh, 
when they go pro in something other than basketball, they can call someone like Chaz McFarland and say, hey, I don't want to be just the normal guy that every other basketball player becomes. How can I become the guy in the middle? How can I get in the middle of the zone here and make a make a pass out of that? And I know we we launched this this segment in an effort to promote the guys that we remember in college that just went straight to the cubes. But I respect a man like Chaz here who has a taste for owning his own business, showing leadership. And quite frankly, again, it, to belabor the point, Wake Forest could absolutely use some of Chaz's leadership right now. And let me tell you something, right? This shit is a lucrative business. Damage oh, yeah. respiration is very, very, uh, is a very rich business. Uh, storm and fire damage, absolutely no joke especially in that part of the country, Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth. So good for Chaz McFarland. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him. We don't have a lot of damage out here in Arizona because it's literally the same weather every day, but that part of the country. Yeah. They get, they get every type of weather you could imagine. Smart guy. Must have been that Wake Forest education. That's exactly what it was. Taylor, you got a hug? Yeah. My hug is not uh, like a happy hug. It's more like when your buddy fucks up, and he comes back to the house and you dap him up and you're like, dog, what are you doing? Uh, that's my, my hug for that is uh, Xavier Simpson because of this car crash situation that he's gotten himself involved in. Uh, he allegedly crashed the, I believe it was the president, the president or the athletic director's car or car that he owned. And then he lied to the police. Now it's coming out. He gave him a fake name. Didn't want to be involved. I guess that there is, you know, it was at three in the morning, of course. Um, something to do with that. The police noted that the seat was really far up close to the uh, steering wheel. So they're claiming that maybe Xavier Simpson didn't actually crash the car and someone else crashed the car. And, yeah, it's become a huge mess. And so it's just a classic situation of, A, you're a big-time college basketball player for one of the largest schools in the country. Just, I don't even know what was happening here, but call someone else to deal with this shit. Uh, also, you can't lie to Ann Arbor police about who you are because you're the point guard for the basketball team. Like, that's going to be figured out pretty quickly. Um, also a semi hug to the athletic director or whoever's car it was. Cause again, it's like, j could we have put it maybe in someone else's name? Like literally anybody else's name other than making it that obvious. Um, and then four would be to, uh, the guy who apparently may or may not have been in the car with him. Ag again, you're just going to toss your boy, the star of the basketball team under the bus. Shouldn't this be like a re reverse situation? Like if I'm the star of the basketball team and I crash the car and you're sitting next to me, I might just say, Hey, like dog, I'm going to need your help on this one. You know, like I got NBA draft prospects. I'm going to go to the league. Perhaps do you think like, I'm going to get you back when I get drafted, believe that, but maybe that you, maybe you hold the L for a year or two on this one. So it's just a, room, yeah. yeah. Right. It's just kind of a big wide hug of like, what are you guys doing? So that's my hug is for Xavier. Javier Simpson uh, there at Michigan. My hug is for Baylor. So we had mentioned at the top of this program that they set a Big 12 record with their 23rd consecutive one. That is fantastic. That is wonderful. Outstanding. Splendid. All of the adjectives that I'm not using uh, for incredible. Or I'm using Marvelous. Of incredible. Marvelous. Marvelous. That, all of that is great. 
You want to know what's even more impressive though, and what my actual hug is for? Baylor hasn't trailed in the second half in nine straight games. They have not been down one singular point in the second half in nine straight games. It bears repeating. Absolutely incredible. Fuck. It was a wonderful <laughs> stretch from from Bar- Baylor going on right now. They are they're they're killing it. You see, but the thing is, you like incredible is actually the most apt word you could use there. So like that's okay. It's just, Thanks, are I you, just... are you the girl, like when you're casually texting some dude and you just keep replying with, oh, that's crazy. Like, that's oh, I went, I went to the store and like the line was so long. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It's like, no, that's not crazy. That's like the most mundane thing possible. So I think you need to, if I may give some constructive criticism, lay it on me. The use of incredible is totally fine. It's just someone's like three game win streak can't be incredible. If also Baylor's 23 game win streak can't be incredible. This is all all good feedback. I appreciate it. Um, I have so many more flaws than you do because you're so much better at the radio and uh, podcast thing than I am. But you know, Subi, well, you're, this, this isn't going to become an ass kissing competition. We need you're to, you're an incredible you're an incredible podcaster, Subi. I appreciate that. I'm not going to return the favor. Otherwise, we're going to continue this back and forth, and I know the shark won't appreciate that. No, either. you hang up. No, you hang up. I, I actually am going to hang up right now. So thank you again for listening. We want to thank. Uh, Logan Norris again for hopping on to the show. We will see you next time here on Theater and College Hoop. Please enjoy these wonderful buffet of games upcoming, especially Baylor in Kansas. See you next time. Why do I need you so?